Uh, I want to set the scene of, of what occurred and happened just before our text this morning um, in Exodus 15. So the Israelites, and we've kind of talked about this as we're in our series, you know, the names of God, you know, hello, my name is God. And we've talked about the different revealed names of the Lord. Okay. And we've, we've kind of hit this a little bit, but the Egyptians had been under severe oppression and bondage and brutal slavery by the Egyptians for like four centuries, four centuries. That's a long time. And like I said, it was extreme. It was brutal. It was not a nice walk in the park for the Israelites. And while they were being oppressed and, and just you know burdened by these Egyptians, they continually cried out to the Lord for help. On November 12th, I talked about, in one of the revealed names of God, God revealed himself to the Old Testament character Moses, who, if you recall, grew up in the Egyptian palace as the adopted son of the princess, but he, he beat an Egyptian to death. He beat him silly, gave him a right hook and an uppercut, and that did the guy out, all right? Or like I said, like he gave him a judo chop, okay? Maybe he'd rather do that, okay? Um, but but he, he killed this Egyptian for mistreating one of the Hebrew slaves, his kinspeople, very harshly. He tried to hide it, but... Pharaoh found out about it and he wanted Moses killed. So Moses fled the scene. Moses became a shepherd. We talked about this on November 12th. That's when God appeared to Moses in a fiery bush, Exodus chapter three, revealed to him the name Jehovah, I am, the I am to Moses. Then told Moses that he was to go back to Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh to let his people go and Moses would lead God's children out to the promised land that he promised them centuries ago, okay? So Moses did that. He went back to Pharaoh. Let, God said, let my people go. He did it about quite a few times. Each time Pharaoh hardened his heart. So God sent 10 devastating plagues. Many of you have read this story, okay, in the Bible. Devastating plagues on Egypt. The last one was so bad. The firstborn son of everyone in Egypt was killed in the middle of the night. And so they were like, Israel's, Israelites, get out of here. Get out of our land, please. And, and here's some jewelry. Here's some clothing. Here's some food. Here's some provisions. Here's some cattle. Just get out of our land, okay? And so they did that. And as Moses was leading this great nation of people out of Egypt, all of a sudden they were stopped in their tracks by coming up against the big Red Sea. While they were there, Pharaoh had a change of heart at this time. He pursued the Israelites. They thought they were trapped. Here's the, the sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. That's when God miraculously opened up in part of the Red Sea and the Israelites crossed over on dry ground. When the, when the Egyptians pursued them, what happened? God caused those massive towering you know, walls of water to crash down upon them and, and God annihilated the, the Egyptian army just in one big swoosh. And it's interesting, archaeologists have actually went to the very bottom of the Red Sea and they, they've taken photos. I've seen the photos of chariot wheels and that kind of stuff at the bottom of the Red Sea. It's pretty cool, actually, okay? So Moses and the Israelites, after that happened, they began traveling to the land God promised them centuries earlier. Egypt is behind them. Pharaoh's behind them. Now onward, 
to new things in Jehovah God, okay? So we've taken the, we, the, the plane has taken off, all right? Now we're at cruising speed. Let's read our text, all right? Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. Then Moses made Israel set out, set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And you can be sure that it wasn't a very pretty place, all right? That's not in your Bibles. It's, it's an add-in there, but it should be in the Hebrew, okay? They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara, which means bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule and there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So, so here's the story for some context, if you will, okay? They just, they just experienced this incredible, amazing victory. Total deliverance, okay? It was fantastic, all right? Jehovah God showed up in a big way. I mean, B-I-double-G, big way, right? The highly trained military machine, the elite troops of Egypt were no match for Jehovah God. He completely delivered them. So they sang a song of victory. They begin to sing the song of victory. The first half of Exodus chapter 15 is Moses and all of Israel, Israel singing a song of victory about their God, the awesome, mighty warrior. They were captives. Now they're free, okay? <laughs> they were captives, but now they're experiencing freedom. Even Moses' sister, uh, Miriam, picked up a tambourine. She led the women's choir, and they had church, all right? They sang in Exodus 15, 21, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he's thrown into the sea. I need a tambourine, man. We can, the horse and the rider, he's thrown into the sea, you know? Where's, where's, where's Pastor Jake? Where's, where's Jake at? I don't know. We need to incorporate these lyrics into a song next week, all right? <laughs> Everything was going great, right? I mean, they were happier than a tick on a big old round dog, Okay? But then, that, that's a pretty happy tick, all right? I don't know, you guys, you guys may need to think about that for a minute, all right? But then something happened, gang, and everything changed. They became negative Nancy, all right, to use a popular phrase. Poor Nancy, she must have been a sad lady. I don't know what's happened, okay? And if your name's Nancy here, we're not talking about you, okay? That's all good. Look, they traveled for three days. Three days, now, now three days doesn't seem like a long time, right? but apparently it was long enough for them to forget about the awesome work that Jehovah God just did on their behalf. And here's a personal note for all of us. How easy it is for us to go from 
victory in the Lord to doubt and then to fear and then to worry and I would even dare say complaint. Aren't we prone to do that? God, you just did awesome things in my life. Oh, doggone, I'm so sick of this. I'm so tired. And, or God, I don't know if you're gonna come through again. I'm so fearful and worried and nervous, okay? Listen, that's exactly what happened to the Israelites here. As the last notes of their songs of victory seemed to fade in the distance, and they were three days deep into the wilderness, there was no water to be found anywhere, all right? And they became thirsty. And I don't mean just a little sip of water thirsty, right? No, they were, they were, they were they're probably like that, that shriveled up, skin all taut and leather looking kind of thirsty. Their bones were showing, all right? They were in the desert in the Middle East, hot. Now, we can understand their predicament, right? Because we know hot here, right? And they didn't, even have, they didn't even have air conditioning that was, you know, uh, putting stress on the power grid. It was hot where they were, okay? They were really, really thirsty. Really thirsty. Like Megan, every single night before she goes to bed. She walks right through the kitchen, then she lays down, and then for everybody here, she's like, I'm so thirsty, anybody give me water? You know? <laughs> I love it. They were as thirsty as Megan is on Wednesday, every night we go to bed. But then what do they see? Just ahead. As they begin complaining and griping and murmuring, you know, that, that murmuring what's like mumbling under your breath. We've talked about that before. You know, water, water right there. Maybe there's some trees, palm trees surrounding it, swaying in the wind. They got their hopes up. But then when they drank it, bitter. The water was bitter. How many love a good cup of ice cold bitter water? Anybody could use some right now? I doubt it. All right. Can you imagine their dashed hopes? Can you picture them this morning? Like, like you're, you're, you're about to die, you feel, and then you find some water, but then you're like, blah. It's bitter. It's nasty. And again, they begin to grumble and complain. And the Israelite camp was not happy town. And it's so ironic that they began to complain and grumble. It's a little too ironic, don't you think? Okay. But God miraculously saved them. Some of you guys got it. That's all right. God miraculously saved them and delivered them twice. First from centuries of Egyptian bondage. And then secondly, right at the, the Red Sea. And that was miraculous as well. But yeah, they completely forgot about God's provisions, how he did the miraculous, how he, he parted it and drowned the Egyptian army. But we're thirsty, God. You just did something that none of us could ever even imagine, but we're thirsty, God. Guys, there's a lesson here for us too, one that, that I've told many people throughout the years, especially in the church. Listen, anytime God does something incredible in your life or he does something amazing in your life, he begins to work in your life and you are growing or, or when God does the miraculous in your life, just know the enemy's gonna come in and he'll try to get you discouraged. Just, just be ready for that, okay? Often spiritual victory is followed up by some type of setback or discouragement from the enemy. Because the enemy wants to get you and me off track to make us forget about our joy in the Lord. And, and, and that's what we see here with the Israelites. The, the condition they found themselves in, their circumstance, it impacted their spiritual joy. 
And now all they could do is grumble and complain. But actually what we see in the text, this was a test. This was a test as well. And God was seeing how they would respond. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But God had mercy on them and he again did the miraculous. Old Mo cries out to the Lord and God instructs him to throw a piece of wood in the water and then the water became drinkable and it was right there, right here is where God then revealed himself to them. And we see at this point in the narrative, we see revelation, we see healing, and we see refreshing. Three very important things. Revelation, healing, and refreshing. In verse 27, God led them to Elam, a, a beautiful place of provision. The scripture says 12 wells and 70 palm trees. Sounds like Corpus Christi, right? <laughs> beautiful. No, here God brought refreshing and healing and respite from their journey and suffering. But, but it's interesting to note here, the revelation of God was at the bitter waters of Marah not in the paradise of Elam. The revelation happened at the bitter waters, not in the paradise. And, 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 and then there was healing and refreshing after the revelation. After, okay? So Jehovah God showed himself strong again and he revealed himself to them in a new way and they learned that God can turn their bitter water into sweet water. See, God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, R-A-P-H-A -A is the Hebrew for this. Jehovah Rapha. This new name for God's found in, in verse 26 that we read. God's like, if you'll diligently listen to my voice, and do what's right in my eyes, give ear to my commandments, keep all my statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. I'm the Lord, your healer. That's what Jehovah Rapha is. The Lord who heals. He's the one who heals. He's the Lord, our healer. The Lord who heals. This name means not only just to heal, but it means to cure. It means to restore. And it means to make absolutely whole. Jehovah Rapha heals in every single way that a person can be healed. Not only physically, because a lot of times we talk about healing. Lord, you need to heal this person. God, I need you to heal this person. We think of it as a physical healing, okay? But God can also heal emotionally. He can heal mentally. God can heal relationally. He can heal financially, Right? Is anybody hearing me? He can do all these things. He can heal spiritually. And he's the only one, the only source that can make a person whole, that can make a, a relationship whole, that can take a situation and make a whole. He can take the broken and put it all back together. Doesn't matter how messed up a person is, how messed up a situation is, how much messed up something seems to be, he can heal the people, he can heal the person, he can put pieces back together and he can make people whole. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's Jehovah Rapha, amen? He turns bitterness into sweetness. 
And that's so good. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for our God, Jehovah Rapha. Amen? Amen? I'm so thankful that he can turn the bitter into sweet. Because no one likes bitter. I mean, certain foods you might, okay? But that's not a pleasant taste, is it? This is good coffee. It's not bitter. <laughs> Greg, don't drink bitter coffee, all right? Anyway, no, we all love sweet. How many love sweet things? Come on, come on, don't lie in church. Come on, all right? Yeah, we love sweet. God can take the bitter and turn it into sweet. And that's so beautiful. It's such a truth about Jehovah Rapha. So what can we learn this morning? Four things. Four things we can learn from this story and the revelation of God's name, Jehovah Rapha. First thing is, we all, every one of us, face, time, face times when we arrive at the bitter waters of Mara. Every one of us. None of us are exempt. It's a condition of life, okay? We all come to the bitter waters of Mara in our lives. I mean, there, there's gonna be trips to the wilderness in every believer's life where, where the waters, they're just bitter. It's unpleasant. It's hard. It's not satisfying. These include stuff like sickness, marital strife, problems with a child, issues with your jobs and your finances, death of a loved one or someone very close to us. Nothing seems to be going right in your life. Everyone seems to be against you, okay? There's a job loss, maybe there's depression, or you've got mental anxiety or mental anguish about something that's going on, okay? And gang, life itself can be such a wilderness at times. Times when we find ourselves in unfamiliar surroundings and, and the conditions we see ourselves in and find ourselves in, they're hard and they're tough and sometimes extreme. And we're like, well, how did I get here? What is life? What's going on in my life? It's so difficult right now. It's so hard. Man, can you imagine the Israelites? They're singing the song of victory. Yes, praise the Lord. The Lord has triumphed. He's thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. And then they come up. We're so thirsty. We're about to die. Here's water. It's bitter. How did we get here? God, I thought you promised us more. You told our patriarch way back in the day, you was gonna take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's beautiful. It's the promised land. It's awesome. This is bitter water, Lord. How did we get here? Sometimes we find ourselves like that saying, how did I get here? We find ourselves at the edge of the Red Sea, seemingly an, uh, facing an insurmountable obstacle and the enemy is pursuing us and often, sometimes we feel trapped. Sometimes it feels like we're just wandering around the wilderness and we become parched and dry and thirsty. Thirsty. You see, life can be like that and the truth is even believers suffer and need healing too. Just because you become a believer in Christ, a disciple in him, you've taken up the cross and you're following him, doesn't mean that you're gonna automatically be exempt from suffering and needing healing. I mean, there's a, a popular message that's been taught now for some time in the church world, a, 
a doctrine that says that if you're a believer in Christ, okay, you said yes to Jesus, then, then your life should be good. No struggles, shouldn't have any sickness, shouldn't have any suffering, shouldn't have any really tough hardship because you're God's kid and now it's all good. Okay, that doctrine is 100% unbiblical. 100% unbiblical. And I've known, I've had friends that adhere to that doctrine and it just doesn't line up with scripture. Matter of fact, some take it to the extreme. I remember Megan's uncle was the administrator of, of, our, of a church in New Mexico that we, we served for quite a few years. It's a church she grew up in. This guy was a man of God. His name was Gene Brock. He was awesome, dude. On fire for the Lord. Helping ministry out. I mean, he was a generous man. He, he knew God's word. He served the Lord. He got a very aggressive cancer. And... He passed away in like six months. And not long after that, we had these evangelists that came and, and kind of did like this revival. As, and they specialized in healing. And, 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 and they really purported to this doctrine. They really did. And I went up to them one night after the service. And I said, let me just say, because I wasn't, yeah. Anyway, you guys know what I mean by that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I said, listen, I said, we just had the pastor's brother, he was the pastor's brother, our administrator, man of God, faithfully serving the Lord, faithful to his spouse. I mean, just, you know, in ministry. He just died of cancer, and we all prayed for healing. And, you know, basically I was just posing, hmm, what do you think about, you know what I mean? I'll never, forget, to, to, I'll never forget the words that this lady said. Her husband and her were standing there. She literally said, we really don't know his life, do we? No one really knows his personal life, do we? I said, yeah. I, I, I was very young. I was very young as a minister at that time. If that happened today, I'd be like, I'd have them for lunch. But anyway, um, <laughs> it wasn't really in my place at the time, you know. But anyway, but that doctrine's unbiblical. That, that's unbiblical. And, and, and just because a believer may suffer or experience sin or things like that, that or suffer like sickness, and it doesn't mean that they're, they're wrapped up in a sinful lifestyle. Now, sickness can come from that. And that's why when we do go through things, we need to examine ourselves and say, Lord, show me. You know what I mean? But that's not indicative that, well, you know, everything should be good in your life. So if it's not, then you are not really a person of faith. Guys, that's unbiblical. In the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament is filled with people who are experiencing the difficulties of living in this fallen world. But God was right there with them, helping them, strengthening them, leading them, and healing them. The truth is life can be tough. You know, I love the clothing line, and now there's like stickers and accessories. You know, life is good. You guys know those t-shirts and stuff, right? I like that line, and it is good, but life can be tough as well. Maybe I need to start the counter t-shirt company. Life is tough, all right? How many have experienced that in life? You've experienced tough times in life. Yeah. Even Jesus said in John 16, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Wasn't maybe. He didn't say, hey, if you guys follow me, the trials and sorrows and sickness and disease and death is just gonna disappear. No, he goes, you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I've overcome the world. 
So life can be like what the children of Israel were, were experiencing, okay? But we can be sure that God will lead us through all of the troubles and all the trials. And he's here with us. And as I read, Jesus has overcome the world and we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, Romans 8:37. And we personally know Jehovah Rapha and we are not alone. We're not alone. But there's a truth in the struggle as well. One that the Israelites face in their wilderness. Gang, our circumstances, these times at the bitter waters, they test us. Hear me this morning. They test us. Times at the bitter waters are testing times just like the people of Israel. When faced with adversity, would they forget God's mighty acts? Would they forget how he's been faithful in the past? Would they remember what he's already done for them and what he's promised them? Gang, they failed and they failed hard in this test. Like the, the story that, the, uh, the, the Christmas story movie where he turns in his thing and she writes a big C plus on, on Ralphie's letter. They didn't even get C plus. They got F minus minus in that grade, okay? And gang, the, the Israelites didn't just complain. What this scripture is talking about is they became bitter. They became bitter at the bitter waters. Not only did they find water that was unpleasant and bitter, but their souls became bitter as well. They were actually complaining against God. It, it was like they were rebelling against the Lord. They were grumbling and mumbling and showing doubt to God and his leading. Verse 24 says they grumbled against Moses, but at the heart of it, they were being hostile and opposed the leadership that God had set over them. Why did they fail this test? Why did they fail? Because they took their eyes off of God who did the miraculous for them and they just focused on their current circumstances. They took their eyes off the Lord and began to look around. And in their hearts, they didn't really trust God. They didn't really trust God. We can be like this. Instead of saying, God, I'm gonna trust you. No matter what, I'm gonna trust you. Even if it doesn't make sense, and I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. It's a theme here. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if I arrive at bitter waters, I'm gonna still trust you because God, you are the healer in every way. But instead of doing that, often our humanity and pride and selfishness rises up and we grumble and com complain and gripe and we show doubt and mistrust towards God. We take our eyes off of the healer, the one who makes things whole, and we look at our circumstances. And if we're not careful, we can become bitter in our souls as well. God, why, 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 this isn't happening like I think it should. Why this struggle, Lord? And we actually get upset at Jehovah God. Looking, our circumstances... They don't put God to the test. What we go through, the bitter waters, they're not testing God, okay? And there's people that are in error that think that. No, our circumstances test us. A lot of times people are like, well, God, I'm facing a difficulty, so I'm, I'm gonna see if you come through, Lord, or not. No. The circumstances are test for you and for me to see how we're gonna come through it. If we're gonna have faith in the Lord and trust him, or the opposite. 
But if our eyes are on the Lord and we're looking, a beautiful thing out of the wilderness times is this, that God reveals himself during our most difficult times. If we're looking for it, God reveals himself during our difficult times. Psalm 34, verses 18 through 19, the psalmist says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. Gang, the revelation of the Lord, when we see him, is often during our experiences and times at the bitter waters of life. There's something about us as humans, you know, when when life is good, really good, right? Things are going well. What happens? We can kind of forget about God. I don't feel the need to pray as much. The Bible sits on the, the table. We don't open the Bible app like we used to. Even church attendance suffers, slacks off, and even disappears. I mean, God is still God. He's still Jehovah Rapha. But it's like we're not looking at him anymore because we're good. But man, the moment the trouble hits, that we face a trial, right? We run back to him. God looks at us and say, where have you been? I've been here the whole, no, praise the Lord. God's right there still, amen? He's there and then he shows himself to us time and time again. At the beautiful paradise of Elam, they had so much water, beautiful palm trees swaying, but there was no miracles happening at Elam. There's no revelation of God at Elam. All of that happened at the bitter waters. God was there, and that's where God revealed himself there, okay? So listen, if you're at a place right now, and online viewers as well, you're at a place where you feel like, man, Greg, you're speaking. Man, I, my life, My family, we are at the bitter waters right now. Take heart. Don't give up. Look to the Lord. He's there. He's with you. Look upon him. Trust him to see you through. He's the healer, and he can turn the bitter into sweet. Amen? Show yourself faithful by believing in him and trusting in him and waiting on him to heal, deliver, to open a door, to restore, whatever, to, to make it whole, all right? Second thing we learn, moving on, is Jehovah Rapha is therefore his people. His people. God gave them a condition to follow in verse 26. It's like, look, listen to my voice. Do what's right. Obey me and I'll be your healer. Basically, he was telling the Israelites, if you'll be mine, I'll be your healer. Listen, gang, we are to be his as well. And when we are his, he will be our healer. God's not a genie. He's not a genie that's going all over the world, all throughout time, just granting wishes to people. You know, just, hey, I'm all loving and good. I'm just going to keep granting wishes to people. No, God wants our hearts. He wants a relationship. He wants a commitment from us. He wants us to follow him completely. He wants our absolute surrender. That was the message with with Abraham and Isaac. Remember, they went up to the Lord. It was all about surrender, and then provision came from the Lord. God says, look, guys, follow me, obey me, walk with me, be mine, and I'll be your healer, and I will make you whole. Praise the Lord. Well, Greg, what if there's someone who doesn't know Christ and they ask for prayer, for healing? Listen, if someone that, that, that I know and they don't, 
follow Christ as their Savior and your Lord, and they ask for prayer, especially prayer for healing, you know what my first prayer is? Save them, Lord. Save them, Lord. Because the most important healing is spiritual healing. And when we get into the body of Christ, God says, I'll be your healer. And spiritual healing is the greatest need of all of us. Salvation, restoration, healing spiritually, to be made whole spiritually. It's the greatest need all of us have. And this healing is available because Jesus turned the bitter into the sweet at the cross. Think about that for a second. Jesus turned the bitter into sweet at the cross. That's why healing is available to us today. Look, Moses threw the wood in the bitter waters and they became sweet. Jesus was nailed to the wood for the bitter waters of our soul. Man, that should, you put that on Instagram. That's good. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and everybody retweeted or put it over it. No. Did you guys hear that? Jesus was nailed to the wood for the bitter waters of our soul. And the good news is this. If you are his, if he can say to you, you are mine, listen, you are guaranteed healing. Okay? You're guaranteed healing. Romans 8.32 it says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Psalm 103, verses two through three. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquity. Who heals all our diseases. Psalm 147, three. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. So we're always confident to know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, we're confident we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. There's a reason why I added those last, that last scripture in there. Listen, if you are saved, a disciple of Jesus, following him, you're guaranteed a healing as his. As his. Even if it's an eternal healing. You guys hear me? Even if it's an eternal healing. Because one day we will all, if you're a follower of Christ, walk the threshold of this life to eternity. And we'll hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in. That's the moment where Paul writes, this perishable will put on imperishable. This corruptible will put on incorruptible. Or, yeah, incorruptible. And we will be with the Lord forever. We'll be made perfect then. We'll be made completely whole then, Okay. Because, so listen, if you are in Christ, you're guaranteed a healing because we believe that Jehovah Rapha still heals. He still heals. We are not a cessationist church, okay? He, we, we don't believe healing just stop with the apostles. We believe and teach that healing is available for those in Christ Jesus, healing in every area of our lives, right? And like I already said, if you're his, you're guaranteed a healing. But here's the key. Here's the key. Because that can be a controversial statement, all right? And I know that I've prayed for many people, many people I've prayed for healing, especially physically, but their physical ailment got the best of their bodies and they died, okay? Here's the key, gang. The way and the type of healing is all up to Jehovah Rapha. And the healing might happen differently than you think. 
It might happen in a different way than you think, okay? It might even be an eternal healing like I talked about. But we do ask for healing. We pray for it. We seek the Lord for it and we petition, but we do it with the peace and assurance that not only is he Jehovah Rapha, but he's also Adonai, right? Our Lord that we submit to, even if we don't understand things. He's also Jehovah Jireh, our provider, who at just the right time and in the exact way we need him and his provision, he'll come through. He's also El Elyon, the most high God, and nobody can question him. He's Elohim, creator God, who creates everything out of nothing. He's El Shaddai, God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. And he's Jehovah I Am, who loves us, who's for us, and will fill fulfill his promises to us. See why it's important to know the names of God, you know? And gang, I've personally experienced Jehovah Rapha, healing. God has healed my my daughters before. My one daughter, she was in a a tube, they're playing around, you know, those concrete tubes. I got to be ready to get up here, musicians, hold on, but not yet. Play that game, that little balancing act, okay? Those, those cardboard tubes that you put concrete in to do a pillar. We had some at our last church in a house we were living in and we were doing some construction and we kept those around. Well, she like, my daughter Tatum sauntered in one, you know, and was hopping around. <laughs> but then she tripped on some, one of the kids was on the ground and she fell back. She hit her back of her head so hard. She began convulsing in that thing. She wasn't responding. Man, it was a scary moment. Scary. And all I could think of is she's paralyzed for the rest of her life. We prayed. We believed God. And man, within a few minutes, she was healed. She was healed. My other daughter, Kyler, experienced these, these massive issues with, 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 with her, her bowels. Was, oh, one time when she was really young, and we were scared. God healed her. Tegan, at one point, man, was, we went to the hospital. They, came, they called all these. She was deteriorating as a baby, like two years old. Was she two years old? I don't know. Oh, well, I can't. She was little, all right? But we went to Children's Hospital in Cincinnati. They, they called all the specialists, all the experts into this room because she was deteriorating fast. And I was just over in a huddle, just quoting every scripture I could, believing on the Lord. And then just like that, The main guy was like, everything seems to be okay. Nothing seems to be wrong. Let's continue this course and we'll be fine. I was like, whoa, Lord, praise God, that was amazing. God did the miraculous and he healed. But check this out. Back in 2016, you guys, I've said some of this story. I found out that I had a, a heart defect in my mitral valve and within like, weeks, they're like, you're gonna have to have surgery. When? Like now, okay? I believe God could have laid his hand on me and just inside, just did the operation inside and I never had to do anything, okay? No surgery and stuff like that. He could have, but you know what? I had to go through the surgery. I had to go through all the recovery. I had to go through all that, but praise God, I'm healed. My heart's awesome. Our cardiologist, Dr. Rafa, he's my man. He said, dude, your surgeon did a great job. You know what I mean? I don't know if he's lying to me, just to make me feel good. It's like, Greg, you actually only have a couple weeks, bro, but I'm not going to tell you that. God healed me. But check this out. We're we're, we're coming down. When Meg and I were first born, and I've talked about how we've lost our first son. 
She was eight months pregnant. She had to go to the hospital to deliver Caleb. I don't talk about this a lot, but I prayed hard. I said, God, I believe you can raise him from the dead even in the womb. And I believed that when she birthed Caleb, he was going to be alive. But he wasn't. God took him on unto glory for God's reason and for God's purposes. Healed him. We don't know what his life would have been like. We don't know what would have happened, but God did. And like on his gravestone, we put, it's like, he's with the only one who could ever love him more. So the healing gang is up to the Lord. Jake, if you guys will come up. The healing is up to the Lord. The way is up to God. You know what our job is to do? It's to petition, to ask, to seek God, and to trust him, and to believe him, and to depend upon him. And if the healing comes in ways that maybe we don't think is different than us, that's okay, because we're not God. He is. We're his children, and our trust is in him. God knows what he's doing, because he's Jehovah Rapha. It's not that God chooses, I'm going to heal them. I'm not going to heal them. No, he's the healer. That's his nature. This is one of his attributes. He is Jehovah Rapha. He knows best, and he will do according to his will. Even the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes, I prayed over and over and over. God, there was something in his life that he called a pain in his flesh. He's like, take it away, Lord. God's like, no, I'm gonna leave it there so that I'll be strong in your weakness and you'll be reminded of me. So again, God will heal according to how he wants to heal. Remember I talked about in the Nehemiah series, we often wonder about the how. Listen, God's in control of the how, all right? And sometimes it might even be a healing that takes place as one passes from this life into the next. And I've had good friends and family members who struggled in, in physical, with physical stuff. And of course, we prayed for healing. We're like, Lord, heal them. We, but when they went on, we're like, God, thank you. In your mercy, in your grace, they're with you, which is the best type of healing. Amen? So our call and commission is to simply trust him and wait on him. To be faithful to him, even during the moments and seasons when we're faced with the bitter waters of life. I believe that's what he was showing the Israelites, trying to teach them. So take heart again if you're experiencing bitter waters. Jehovah Rapha is here today. He's available today. He's here in the person of Jesus Christ. Right here, right now. And Jesus was the physical fulfillment of Jehovah Rapha. The scripture says that Jesus went around healing people and doing good. Jesus turns the bitter waters of our lives to sweet because his presence is with us. Hallelujah. His presence is with us. No matter how bad, even if it doesn't get better right away, we have his presence. He walks with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, the, the scriptures show. And that makes everything okay. Take the world, but give me Jesus, and I'll be okay. Lose your health, but you still have Jesus, you're okay. 
lose your possessions. But you have Jesus, you're still gonna be okay because he is the sufficient one, amen? And we can trust his will, trust his provision, trust his sufficiency.